Hello and welcome to the ETOF 21 Sports Podcast for July 3rd. How is everyone doing today? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF 21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF 21 Sports on Twitter. There you'll find everything. My rants about sports. If you want to become part of the sports betting team, you contact me through there. Five things from yesterday, horse racing picks, fantasy football takes, everything on Twitter as in that account. Instagram at ETOF21Sports. That account is strictly sports betting. To become part of the team, message me there. For fantasy football takes, I will be starting to dive more into the fantasy football aspect in this month of July. Follow me at ETOF21Sports underscore fantasy. Also on that account, all my five things from yesterday, everything will be there. And for free horse racing picks at ETOF21Sports underscore horse underscore racing. We only do picks on Saturday and Sunday on that account. And that's the only day I really bet horses unless there's something juicy during the week. How's everyone doing? We have a lovely holiday weekend. Great sports weekend. We have game six tonight. I'll dive into that a little bit. I'll give a free pick away from that. We have horse racing. We have Euros. And guys, I'm giving away my picks for the Euro tournament for free. ROI for that is, I believe, 0.71U. I will be getting out and updating my spreadsheets, hopefully over the weekend. I'm finding myself a little bit behind the eight ball because of this goddamn move. Guys, moving fucking sucks. Moved into a new place. Painter did an immaculate job. And I have to say, for a guy that knows nothing about home decor, doesn't watch HGTV at all, I fucking nailed these colors, dude. Fucking the place looks pimp, but I have so much shit I gotta unpack. I'm slowly guiding through it. And Xfinity airballed my appointment. They were supposed to be here last Saturday and they just didn't show up. But luckily they're able to work it out. They came out, so I'm back online with the internet. So I'm able to bring you this podcast today and we'll be going regularly straight ahead. Brandon's gonna be on later. He's gonna be talking NASCAR who he likes this week for the NASCAR race tomorrow. My boy, DC guy, he's going to be on later in the month. We're going to be doing NBA draft talk, and I'll be starting to incorporate a lot more guests coming on. So big things happening in this upcoming month for the podcast here. And guys, thanks for the love. Thanks for the support. On today's show, I'm going to be talking about betting baseball, why I tend to cut back betting baseball at this time of the year, NBA, what's going on with that. And like I said, Brandon's coming on. Also, before I dive into it, special thanks to my boy Gino. Guys, every week on Thursday, I go on with Gino and we just talk a little NBA, shoot the shit, really enjoy doing that. Gino, thanks for having me on. I've had my members ask me, Eric, what's up? Why aren't we betting as many MLB bets as we did in the beginning of the month of June, May, and April, and even the end of March. And I'm like, guys, this is what we I do. This is how I bet MLB. Because anyone that knows me knows I bet dogs. I don't lay anything over minus 125 because of the ROI point. Now, I won't go into ROI points, but I will say this. For these guys that hand out minus 200, minus 250, minus 300, if those lose, it's such a hit on the ROI that they're going to be playing catch up. I play dog so that way my percentage of winning is going to be in the low 40s, high 40s, and I'm going to be positive ROI for the year. What with that being said, 
I play a lot of shittier teams, a lot of bottom tier teams. And this is a type of year where those guys just basically are mailing it in. Not necessarily mailing it in because MLB teams and professional sports teams still do try, but they give a lot of their younger guys opportunities. And the older veteran guys on the team, they're looking to move to get younger pieces. So at July, All-Star break, week before, I just kind of shut down shop. Now, don't get me wrong. There'll still be a couple MLB plays sent throughout the month of July and August until the season ends. And that's because I have a certain list of minor league pitchers that I like. And when those guys are going to the mound, I will look to financially invest those like we did last week with the kid from the Pirates. And we were able to cash our first five and our game bet. And that's what I do. So I don't want to force plays just to give out plays. This is a money-making opportunity. My number one responsibility is making money betting for myself. My number two is helping you guys make money. And at the end of the day, Betting is all about money management. I have a system. I've made money betting MLB. We're going to have another positive MLB betting season. And why is that? Because this is what works for me. I'm not going to be chasing bets in the dog days of the season like some of these other cappers. So just so you guys understand my schedule, next month, we're going to be doing a lot of NFL stuff. We're going to be doing a lot of NFL futures, doing deep dives into teams and we're going to be doing deep dives into fantasy. For those that are new to the system, I do have a fantasy football guide that I am currently working on that will hopefully be out by the second or third week of July that will be easily available for purchase for $8.99, which is an insane price. And for someone with my track record, it is great. I dive into lists, who I like, who I don't like, rankings, the whole nine yards. I give you guys offensive systems. We talk about coordinators, offensive line coaches. No one is going in depth as I am. RB grids, everything is going to be there. It's a great value. And the people that did buy it last year, they loved it. But we need that is what I'm going to be doing just because I'm not going to kill myself chasing these MLB dogs and losing my ROI, which has been great. And no one's putting up the numbers. I am in ROI for MLB. So that's kind of what I do it. So that's kind of why the purchases of memberships, I get it. I'm not going to be pushing memberships in July because there's really no nothing I'm going to be betting on besides NASCAR and UFC. So it'll be more of day membership offerings, not so much um, season-long memberships. Then the NFL starts, and when the NFL starts, we're flow-blown in it. And I cannot wait for the NFL to get started. When I talked to Gino this week, we mainly talked about the conference finals. We talked a little Reggie Jackson and everything. One thing we really didn't dive into is this whole Portland Trailblazers situation with Chauncey Billups and Damian Lillard and everything. So what happened was this. Lillard comes out. He supports Chauncey as a hire. And then it was published that Chauncey had this sexual assault, rape conviction, rape charge, not conviction, excuse me, in the 90s, and that it was settled out of court. And here's the thing. I didn't even know about that. I have been the biggest Chauncey Billups fan in the world, and I had no idea that this rape 
or alleged rape actually happened. And the fact that he did settle out of court and paid the lady kind of makes you think there's kind of something there. But, you know, you don't want to jump to conclusions. And if that's the case, that's awful. There is no excuse for that at all. And the Portland fans are now bashing Lillard because Lillard wanted Billups as his his coach. And I guarantee Lillard did not know anything about the rape charge back in the 90s. If he did, do you really think he would support him? No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't at all. And now he's getting so much backlash from the Trailblazers fans that he kind of wants out. And this is the interesting thing. I really don't think Chauncey would agree to be the coach there if Lillard was moving, meaning being traded. But now, does Chauncey back out of the contract that he signed for five years if Lillard gets traded. Colin Cowherd, who I can't fucking stand, who I think is a joke, I saw a bit on Twitter and he made a very interesting point that after the Olympics, these players that are on it tend to get buddy-buddy and look to play together. The Miami Heat, Chris Bosh, and LeBron James and D. Wade, they all came together after they're on the Olympics. So... When you have those people interacting, and guys, we have to remember, COVID is still going on. Teams are going to be sequestered together, so they're going to be spending even more time together, and they probably won't have their entourages and their families out there, so they're going to be interacting with each other a lot more. So we could see some super teams form from this, and Lillard could go buddy-buddy with somebody. So that's something to keep in mind. Now, in terms of trade spots for Lillard, I was kind of playing around with this in my head. The first spot would be New Orleans. Obviously, we can admit that Zion Williamson and B.I. Brandon Ingram are working together. Could you imagine a pick and roll with Damian Lillard and Zion? Oh, my God, that would be so deadly. I would love to see that trade happen. So the package would be a sign-and-trade. They'd obviously have to get Josh Hart, re-sign him, trade Josh Hart and Brandon Ingram, and obviously some picks to the Blazers straight up for Lillard. I think that would be a great trade for both teams. I think Josh Hart is insanely underrated. Even though he sandbagged my Pistons on Twitter, I think him, McCollin, Ingrid, Nursage, you have stuff you can build around in Portland, and it makes it competitive in the West for a playoff position. Not for a championship, but for a playoff position. And the Pelicans, obviously, you're moving forward with a Lillard and Zion combo, which would be really deadly in the pick and roll. Now, another team that I've been high on, if you've listened to me or read any of my articles, are the Indiana Pacers. I feel that a trade package, Brogdon, a couple draft picks, and Levert to the Blazers for Lillard would benefit both teams. Lillard would have Miles Turner. They're getting back TJ Warren. And he has another all-star and some bonus to work with. And that team in the East, we have to remember, the Pacers were the four seed till they got hit with all those injuries. And you bring on Lillard and add it with that core, that's a sneaky team that could make a run 
in the Eastern Conference, and you have a veteran coach who has run before in Rick Carlisle. That would be very sneaky for the Pacers and put them an under-the-radar dark horse to make the NBA Finals. And then you have Brogdon, who can obviously run the point, doesn't need 50 shots a game like some of these point guards do and can get people involved. Have him in the backcourt with C.J. McCollin, and then you put Levert on the wing. Levert would be the guy who goes to the bucket and has the ball in his hands in the end of the game situation. When you run twos at him, he can hit the guy in the open corner. He can pull up or he can get to the rim and get to the foul line. So that would be an interesting team. They'd still be like a sixth, seventh, eighth, or have the play in, be in the play-in tournament if that's still going on next year. But it would keep Portland relevant. Honestly, at the end of the day, Lillard for Simmons, why the fuck would the Blazers do that? I would hang up the fucking phone. Like I said in the article that I wrote that's up on etof21sports.com, I would only take Simmons if I were the Blazers if I would be keeping CJ and Lillard. That way I could use Simmons in the same role that the Golden State Warriors use Draymond Green. You don't want Ben Simmons to come in where he's going to be the one or two option. Three option, that's fine. But in all seriousness, I do think at the end of the day, if I'm the Blazers, I would trade Lillard to an Eastern Conference. Pacers, that's a great trade package coming back. Benefit both teams. Obviously, the Pelicans trade package with B.I., Hart, and Picks is interesting because I'd love to see what the Pelicans would look like with Lillard and and Zion running that pick and roll. I mean, I think that would be deadly, but in all seriousness, I don't see that trade happening. It's just something I find very interesting. Also, Becky Hammond was one of the finalists for this Portland job, and the more and more I think about it, I think she's the replacement for Pop just in waiting. I think that it's a travesty. She hasn't gotten a job yet, but with everything she's done in the Spurs organization, obviously the community likes her, the team likes her, people have nothing but positive things to say about her. And it makes you think, why hasn't she got an opportunity yet? And I just think it makes the most sense for her to replace Pop whenever Pop hangs it up. And I think that's honestly why she's staying there. Because we have to remember, as much as it sucks, what I'm going to say, wherever she goes, that's going to be the story. That's going to be the headlines. That's going to be a distraction. And these guys in the NBA have fragile, fragile, fragile fucking egos. And they would have to swallow their ego if they were going to play for Becky Hammonds, while everyone on the Spurs organization is really used to it. So I really think that in the long term, that's what she's going to do. And she's just kind of hanging 10 until Popovich ultimately retires. When we're seeing all these Ben Simmons' trades being thrown out and everything, everyone's talking about what would be best for the 76ers. I'm decided I'm going to look at it a little bit differently. I'm going to talk about what's best for Ben Simmons. There are obviously two teams in my eyes that would be the best for Simmons and do a great job with player development. The first one, San Antonio Spurs. They have a great shooting coach in Chip Eglin. And I really think Simmons going there would be best for his career. Popovich is great at elevating these guys to heights that we didn't think were possible and they could restructure his career and put him on the path to be something special, which we all thought he could be. Now, what would be the package going back? Obviously, the Marcus Rosens, that would be interesting. And then they have a couple of the young guys. I would throw in Lonnie Walker 
And then I would also throw in Derek White. I would try to keep Murray. Why would I try to keep Murray as opposed to White? Just because of the health issues. It seems like Derek White, as much as I love him as a player and think he could be an all-star in this league eventually later on in his career, he just gets hurt too much. So the package would be DeMarcus DeRozan, Derek White, Lonnie Walker and draft picks. You'd be getting some people that could step in right away and help the 76ers improve their wing play. You have the Rosen who's comfortable with the ball in his hands at the end of game. Someone that can drive, pull up, hit a jump shot, or run twos. And I think that pick and roll with DeRozan and Embiid would be something interesting and something I could get behind. And then Simmons going in San Antonio. If anyone could fix him, it would be... Elgland and Pop, and they would put him in a situation to be successful. Now, as much as I hate Miami Heat fans and this Heat culture, I'm the biggest Eric Spolstra's guy in the world, and this is when the trade becomes interesting. Butler and Simmons really didn't work out. From what I heard from my guys, they really didn't like each other. And what about the Miami Heat? Butler flourished playing with Embiid. I'm not a Butler guy. I think there's only so much he can do and how far he could take you. What about a trade package, Butler and um, Hero for Ben Simmons? What about that? I think Simmons would flourish. I think Spolster would put him in a situation where he could succeed. You have to remember, when James Johnson was there, Spolster used him as a point forward. He used James Johnson as a point forward. Think what he could do with Ben Simmons someone that has that mindset. Now, obviously, in terms of trading Jimmy Butler, obviously Butler and Simmons will have to get together, find out if they can work together and be successful together. If they can't, then Butler's in the trade. If they come together and agree that they can be successful, then you put them together and then you trade the younger guys. You trade Hero. Duncan Robinson, give him Goran Drodic, and Kendrick Nunn. That would be the trade package. Duncan Robinson would obviously have to be the sign, sign and trade. And when you think about this, everyone talks about how much Reggie Jackson um, has improved his net worth going into next season where he's a free agent. Duncan Robinson is going to be probably a hundred he's gonna probably get a hundred million dollars in his next contract as crazy as that fucking sounds Duncan Robinson is going to get a hundred million dollars but back to my point I really think that him going to Miami that would be great for his career so those are the two teams I'd like to see Ben Simmons traded to so he can reach his potential but like I said in my article the main thing that Ben Simmons needs to do is get away from the people he has now Get away from his shooting coach. His shooting coach isn't working, and he needs to talk to a sports psychologist. You look at Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's airballing three throws, but at the end of the game, he's running to the ball to get the ball because he wants the motherfucking ball in his motherfucking hands. You have Ben Simmons now, who has a wide-open dunk, and he won't even take the dunk. So definitely Simmons needs to change his shooting coach and get a sports psychologist. But I really feel, like I said... Heat, Spurs, those would be the two teams I'd like to see him going to so that way he could reach the potential that we all thought he had coming into this league. Now the other big news in the NBA was that GQ article from Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen said the reason during that playoff game that Tony Kukoc was put in and got the game-winning shot 
instead of him was because Phil Jackson was racist. Let that sink in for a little bit. Phil Jackson was racist. I talked to someone that I knew growing up in Chicago at the time because I that was a little young. I was young when all this happened and young and naive. And I asked him, I'm like, was that the vibe at all? And he said, no. He said there was a contention of people that felt Scotty should have gotten the last shot, but the fact Kukoc made it, they really didn't care. I really feel that all this stuff that Scotty Pippen is coming out with is he's fucking salty. He's salty from the last dance. Because let's face it, the last dance, which came out last year where it chronicled the run of the Chicago Bulls, it didn't pay the best light for Scotty Pippen. And also, I'm learning and I'm reading that Scotty really didn't make that much money from it. Jordan made a lot of money from it. Rodman made money from it. But the thing was, was Pippen was still under contract from ESPN. So he really didn't make much cheddar from that. And it made him look bad. So the fact that he didn't make money and it made him look bad, I just think he's trying to save face. And I think he's really salty about that. And notice when he did the interview on the Dan Patrick show where he said that Jackson was racist and kudos to Patrick. Patrick tried to give him a way out. He was referring to himself in the third person. Well, Scotty did this. Scotty said this. So a lot of times when people do that, it's because that they are looking to justify themselves and make themselves bigger than they are. Would Jordan have won all those titles without Pippen? No. Pippen was the great count counter to Jordan. He is basically the original Robin, as I saw on Twitter. But the thing is, he's not a Batman. He's not the guy you want taking the last shot. Is he a great player? Yeah. But there's tons of people in that category that are great players that you don't want taking the last shot. Why? Because that's just not their game, man. Also, another thing to remember is he has this alcohol brand coming out. And the more controversy there is about people the more it will drum up sales. Tonight we have a very interesting Game 6. I loved what I saw from the Bucks in Game 5. Now the big story obviously is these injuries with Trey Young has a bone bruise. And you notice the wordage that the Atlanta Hawks used when talking about Trey Young changed. It went from bone bruise to deep bone bruise. Do I think Trey Young goes tonight? Yeah, I'd like to think he gives it a go. But it's that thing you need to remember long term what is this going to do is this going to be a thing where it hurts them long term and i like i said i give props to harden for playing i thought it was a courageous effort for him playing but long term is this going to hurt trey young do you don't want him to go out there and tear something because of that bone bruise if that doesn't isn't going to happen and i god only knows i'm not a motherfucking doctor I would think he goes. I think Trey Young goes tonight. Giannis, I don't think he goes. And like I said on the Gino Pacala podcast, that's what G said. If this goes to Game 7, the Bucks would have to lock the goddamn door and not yet Giannis in the building. I think if this goes 7, I'm 100% sure Giannis is playing. But back to the game tonight. My thing is, and this is what I'm going to tell you guys, I think Young plays, so I think there's going to be more value going on the Bucks. So I'm going to wait to hold off for a Bucks bet. If you like the Hawks, now would be the time to lock it in because once the news pops that Young is going to play, if he does play, that line is going to increase. So I definitely hold off and wait for that. So I don't have a side. I will say this. 
Why do I like the Bucks? I think they found something that they're going to stay with. They kept Lopez underneath any eight. He looked great, led, led them in scoring, and people forget because he basically is the fourth option. There was a point in time when Lopez was an Eastern Conference All-Star when he played for the Brooklyn Nets. So I really think they're going to keep Lopez down low like they did in Game 5. And the Bucks shot like shit. I really don't think they're going to shoot that poorly again. That's why I like the Bucks. And I don't trust the Hawks. I don't trust Nate McMillan. I don't trust these young guys that they have to make shots. I don't trust Cam Reddish. I don't trust Bonovich. I think that the Bucks win the game if Trey doesn't play or loses, so I'm going to hold off. But the free pick is this, and I've locked this in. Chris Middleton over two and a half three pointers on DraftKings minus one thirteen, risking two point two six U to win two U. That's the free play for the game. Middleton over two and a half three pointers. That's the free play for the game. But I'm excited. I'm going to be locked in. I'm going to be having my Miller Lite flowing, and I'm going to be watching the game. Also, I'm going to be start doing more of these little Twitter rooms. I talked to Gino about it during the finals. We're going to be doing more of these little. Twitter rooms and having, you know, discussion about what's going in the game and giving some talks about that and everything like that. But again, that's something that's going to be coming on the future. So if you follow me on Twitter, make sure you look out for that. But like I said, the free play is Middleton over two and a half three pointers, risking 2.26 U to win two U. So this week, NASCAR is going up to Road of America up in Wisconsin, another road course, and Brandon is on the line. Brandon, happy 4th, man. How are you doing? Happy 4th to you, too. Doing good. Um, any big plans this weekend? you be sipping some Miller Lights? Uh, hopefully I can bounce us back from uh, the complete wrong prediction last week of uh, saying to sleep on Larson. <laughs> but, I mean, that's just the thing. Like Stuff needs to start going back to back to Keymore, he's not going to be able to perform at the level that he's been performing on for so long. So, I mean, it's the right play, and he's it's right to fade against him. So, even though Bowman won the race, and I said to fade him, technically I didn't say to fade the winner because he did not win. That's the stuff that we talk about on a weekly basis, how anything can happen. You're in the final corner at the final turn, dominating the race, and a tire blows. Yeah, I mean, crazy stuff can happen, and, you know, it's just one of those things where you never really know a fluky thing could happen. Like, I think before, didn't he have, like, a hamburger wrapper on his car, and then he got up behind someone, and he was able to finagle it off. But Yes. Um, so this is an interesting course right here, Road of America up in Elkhorn, Wisconsin, which is actually kind of close to where I am. I have a little different approach. Um, <laughs> I'm taking four long shots and then two favorites. The first person I like is Ross Chastain. He ran five races at Elcourt and Xfinity, and the two out of the three road course, he's finished in the top ten at fourth and seventh. He was trading at about 40-1. to one. I think I'm going to lock him in. What do you think of Rossi this week? I like him, and he's actually now trending at 60-1 to one per DraftKings, so his odds have gone up another $20. And he has been successful in the Xfinity Series at this track. So I do like that long shot. Another one I'm looking at is my favorite racer, Kurt Busch. It's important to remember with Kurt, seven straight seasons, he's won a race. And he has yet to win one this year. Two out of the three road courses, he has 
a fourth and a sixth place finish. I think Kurt is looking good and he's trying to sneak a win out right before playoffs. What do you think of Kurt? Yeah, I like him. He, uh, he was fastest in kind of practice today behind his most likely will have to go to a backup car. So anybody leaning on Kyle, 90% chance he'll be starting, or Kyle Bush, uh, he'll be starting at the rear. Kurt Bush, yes, to your point, he wins once a year. It's It just happens. How? No clue. But he at least gets a win a year. And uh, there's a good opportunity for him to grab one here at Road America, being the fastest in practice. Now, of course, it's a road course. I have to go with the two ringers. Almondinger and Sendrick. Uh, Dinger average finish of six in his two in his two uh, NASCAR starts, with his best finish being fifth. And we have to remember, Cedric did lead some laps in the um, in the road course down in Texas. So I, I like those two kind of road course ringers. What do you think of those two? You can't pass on them this week. You got Almondinger sitting at twenty-two to one, and then you have Cedric sitting at twenty-five to one. The ROI is huge. And to your point, they're ringers at road courses. Sendrick is starting second in about 10 minutes in the Xfinity race. Almondinger starting third. Both of these guys are getting laps in the day. So I definitely see them being up in the front tomorrow with a huge... Now, also, I feel that two guys that are getting kind of overlooked are Mark, are Mark Truex Jr. And, and Denny Hamlin. I feel that a lot of people are going to tend toward Larson and... Elliot, rightfully so, with it being the road course and the season that Larson is having. What um, what do you think of those two? Yeah, to be able to grab Martin at seven to one, or even Denny at twelve to one, who both have proven week in and week out at road courses that they are competitive. The ROI on those two guys, those big names, having that high of odds is huge. And it goes back to what we've talked about. Whenever we do get into these road courses, you got a couple options. You either bet heavy on Chase or Larson or both of them, or you start to sprinkle it among some dark horses and some big names with high odds. So having Truex, Hamlin, Almendinger, Sindrick, and Kurt and Chastain, that's a huge variety rather than having just Chase or just Larson, which either one of them can go out and dominate. Chase is 14th fastest in practice, which being outside the top 10 in practice at a road course is Kind of shocking to me. Larson was ninth. Um, that can all change. We know that. But to not see their names within the top ten, I mean, you mentioned Kurt and Cindric, first and third in practice. You mentioned Hamlin, sixth in practice. Almondinger, seventh in practice. Chastain, thirteenth in practice. So you have, out of all the ones that we've discussed, every one of them but one was in the top ten in practice. And I mean, they're getting they're on it they're performing you know you gotta you gotta take your take your swings when you can and try to try to hit one out of the park um who who are you liking this week um it's it's weird for once me and you have almost the exact same card um oh as bad as i want to go big on chase or larson i don't like to bet with my heart heart so it's hard to do that when it comes to uh chase even though another one that's sitting at good odds, um, I think I'm going to have Ryan Blaney on my card at 20 to one. He's another guy that just can't seem to get out of his own way with bad luck. And I got a feeling he's going to break out sometime soon. Um, I'm trying to scroll all the way down. See, I mean, you've got Daniel Suarez at 150 to one, Eric Almarola, 250, Ricky Stenhouse, 250. Those, those odds are 
really, really, really high. So if you want to take not just a dark horse, but a hundred percent long shot, it wouldn't hurt to grab somebody like uh, Daniel Suarez or Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Yeah, those are definitely like some swings. Obviously, I'm looking. I just pulled up FanDuel. Their longest shot on the board is your boy Bubba. Any more rumors? Since you have a, you're kind of in the know with uh, what's going to happen with that 23 car next year. So again, most likely he'll still be in it next year. I um, wouldn't be surprised if they add another car to the team. But uh, when Bubba got the top five last week, Michael Jordan came out instead of just being all excited. He was happy for the top five, but his immediate statement was, now that you've gotten a top five and you've proved you can do it, I'm expecting a top ten every single week. That, that's a lot of pressure on a guy that just got his first top five and hasn't done anything else at all. And so, especially when you have someone like Michael Jordan, who's arguably the best basketball player ever, even though it's a different sport, when you have someone, a king of a sport, saying, hey, okay, this is what is expected now, and this is the guy cutting you the check, it kind of puts a lot of perceived pressure on you. Um, speaking of that, would say, you fade? I would tell you this. I think our rumor about Cinder going to the 23 is going to fade solely because he's driving a Penske car right now in Xfinity, and he's driving a Penske car, a fourth car, just kind of the lay-behind car uh, in the cup. I think with Brad Keselowski moving to Roush Fenway, you're going to go ahead and see Cindric take over the two car for Penske. Which would be huge. I would love that. I would be the biggest Cindric fan in the world because I like that kid a lot. It makes sense. Penske, Penske, then the two car opens up. It's a no-brainer to put him with Penske. Now, speaking of Kozlowski, that, that news kind of broke on Twitter. Um, What do you think of that move? I'm kind of on the fence. I mean, I know that there's all these rumors going around about him and Logano not getting along and him and ownership not getting along. Do you think this is the best move for him? Do you think it's going to further his career? Do you think this is just a pure money grab? This is a pure money grab because he's a businessman. He, he owns Cam, which is Kozlowski Automation something. or It's called Cam. I can't remember what it stands for. But uh, it's like a machine, machine shop style company. And um, he's going to be doing work for Roush. So I think this is more of a business move on his point. And uh, I think it's smart. I mean, the guy's already got a championship under his belt, one. Two, um, I don't want to say he's getting to the end of his career, but he's definitely getting older and some of these young guns in here. He doesn't have the best relationship with Logano. Ownership, you always hear hit or miss. But uh, yeah, I, uh, it's I definitely it's at it, this point. Yeah, I mean, you're at that point in your career. Just take the money grab and you know set yourself up for the rest of your life, and you're constantly going to be earning, and then you can become the face of the racing company. So I get it. It just was a little confusing to me until I, you know, did all the uh, all the big research and everything. So basically, it sounds like we got the same guys going. We do. This is thing. the. Let's remember this, guys, for all of you listening. I think this is the first time that we've all pretty much been on the same. Me and you've been on the same page for almost every guy. So I mean, it definitely, uh, definitely hit these, hit these, hit these bets, guys. For me, it's just going to be half a unit on everybody, one unit on Truex, one unit on Hamlin. I mean, Agreed. right, right there. That's one, two. That's basically four units. High ROI point makes some cheddar. Even if Truex wins, he's currently around six, seven to one. We'll still be netting a profit. We don't want to go too heavy on Truex just because if he does lose, then we won't be netting. 
a good ROI. Brandon, thanks for taking time out of your holiday weekend to to come talk to everyone and uh, give give your picks. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media? Off the post, Boston Sports for uh, Instagram, All Sports Boston, and uh, for iRacing, Boston Boy eighty three on Instagram and Twitch. And uh, looking forward to watching the Xfinity race. You have a wonderful 4th of July. Do not drink too much unless you're going to give me one of those drunken phone calls. But uh, everybody enjoy. You can expect a drunk text from the big, I mean, I can't even do justice from the street festival that I'm going to tonight. So I'll send you some pics because you're going to be amazed. Last year there was this dude that looked like Ron Jer. not last year, excuse me, two years ago because it was canceled last year. Uh, there was a guy that looked like Ron Jeremy there, and I convinced about 30 people it was Ron Jeremy. So he had all these dudes and girls going up trying to take pictures with him and get his autographs. It was fucking hilarious. That, that is so, awesome. So, Brandon, thanks for coming on. Enjoy your uh, enjoy your holiday, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. You too. Thanks, guys. Good luck, everybody. Guys, if you're not following Brandon, please make sure you do. He comes on week in and week out, and he provides nothing but knowledge and winners. He is an iRacer. He has connections to everyone. He definitely is my go-to guy anytime I have a NASCAR question, NASCAR betting question, anything. So make sure you give him a follow and show some support. That's it for today's show. Have a good weekend. Have a safe weekend. Have a good fourth. Let's cash some winners. We have an NBA play that I just sent out to the members, and I gave away the free play in for the game. So we definitely got two plays going tonight. And we're live in the last leg of the pick five I posted on Twitter at Belmont. So uh, let's catch some winners, be safe, have some fun this weekend, and I will talk to everyone next week. Until then, guys.